Right. So we're going to start off a little different than what I typically do. Open your Bibles with me and look at John 16, verse 33. What I want you to do, if you have it on your phone, pull it up on your phone. I confirm that uh, it's still there in the King James in your uh, pews. If you want to pull out one of the King James Bibles here, you can look it up. Uh, those of you who have been uh, in Bible drills all your life, you know, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's, uh, it's going to be about uh, two-thirds into that blue book there, if you have that, or you got your own Bible, you're already to it, because you know I've been preaching on, in John for <laughs> forever. And today, we're going to come to the end of chapter 16, when we get to what would be the pinnacle of Jesus' conversation, his teaching to his disciples on how not to be troubled. So read John 16, 33 to yourself right now. I have been using the NIV for probably 20 years now. I was New American Standard before that when I first was ordained. So almost 40 years ago, that's what I preached from. And of course, a child of the 50s, late 50s, I went to vacation Bible school, Sunday school, et cetera, et cetera, always learning Bible verses in King James. My title today comes from the NIV take on it, which says, Take Heart. Much to my disappointment, when I am looking at the original text, the word heart does not appear in the original text. Furthermore, I don't know if I've ever said to anyone, when they're in the midst of trouble, despair, pain, or sorrow, take heart. Sounds like take off, or get a heart transplant, or have a heart, heart attack. Some of you, if you have King James, it probably said something like, be of good cheer. New American Standard, which I think Dan is still, he's not giving it up yet. He's true to New American Standard. I was too. It was very good. Uh, also, the new uh, English translation, take courage. Uh, one of the contemporary, contemporary English versions says, cheer up. Well, in a more modern vernacular, because I don't know that we use any of those terms when you're, you know, if your child is hurting, let's say they just broke up with a girl or a boy, Take heart. What? I just lost my heart. I got a heartbreak. But bear with me. I think this communicates to at least the generation a little bit after me. And you see that. No fear. No fear was a logo, a clothing company, a uh, mantra, or mantra for um, BMXers, uh, motocross people, racers, people doing crazy stuff to where they would have no fear of death. They also said they would never be lazy. And they also said they had no fear of some social norms and breaking them. And I thought, we should start a no fear church. No fear of death, right? No laziness in sharing the gospel message and being on mission all the time. So no laziness, no fear, no laziness, and no necessarily linkage to social norms that say, you're that way and I'm this way and you're right and I'm wrong. Maybe we're to share the gospel with those that are outside of our social circles. So, as we pick up 
on John 16, 23. Jesus is closing out what he started in John 14. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And he goes on eventually, he says, I am not gonna leave you comfortless. I am gonna give to you the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the one who would be your, as I said, your champion, your mentor. I'm gonna do this for you because I am leaving and he will be here to convict, to console, to comfort, to challenge, he will be in your heart just as I am now in this physical planet. And the idea of peace in the midst of chaos is what he's been talking about all along. Could you imagine following someone for three years, eating with them, sleeping, learning, being mentored by, being taught by, being the student of the great rabbi, and he says, I'm leaving and the trouble that it would stir up in your heart. Jesus says, take heart, be of good cheer, take courage, cheer up, have no fear, because you believe in me. If you have your Bibles, we're gonna go back to verse 23, and we'll read out the rest of this chapter. In that day, and the day that he is speaking of is after his resurrection, between the resurrection and the ascension, or even after the ascension. One commentator made me think about this week. You remember how long Jesus walked on the earth after he came back from the grave? Thank you. Was that the preacher that said it back there? Uh-huh. 40 days, 40 days. And he walked and he talked and he taught his disciples. Could you imagine the ability to teach after they've already had the lab experience, I mean, they now know you are victorious over the grave and the teachings that he had there. Jesus said, in that day, you'll no longer ask me anything. Basically, you're gonna know. I tell you the truth, my Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. Also a theme in the Gospel of John, finding joy in this world. Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I'm not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf, No, the Father himself loves you because you loved me and have believed that I came from God. I'm at verse 28. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I am leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, hey man, the light bulb just came on. Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. This is not a parable, in other words. This is not something I, I, you know, I'm getting it, Lord. We're getting it. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. Now, here's the next big textual issue. You believe at last. In my translation, it has an exclamation point. Some of your translations will have a question mark. You believe at last? So is it sarcasm? Is it an observation that, hey, you finally believe and thank you for believing? I think it's a little bit of both. 
You finally believe. And he's excited about that. Jesus answered, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home. In other words, once they arrest me, once they get ready to murder me, and uh, you're probably going to run. You will leave me alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Then we get to the power verse, verse 33. If you haven't un underlined or highlighted this in your Bible, and uh, I think Saul even closed the service out with it last week. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. You will have trouble, but take heart. Take heart. Have no fear, for I have overcome the world. And if you ever were going to applaud at Scripture, that's the verse you ought to applaud about. I have overcome the world. Pray with me, please. Father, as we look at this text that we should lift up in our lives each and every day, for we live in a time of trouble. We live in perilous times. We live in discomfort. Oh, we create our own temporal comforts. But the joy of knowing you, that complete joy makes this world bearable. At least we know that you have overcome. And because of that, that brings us joy. Speak to us in this hour. Help us to take heart. Help us to have no fear. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus has continued in these first verses of this section to explain the relationship he has with the Father and his imminent departure. He speaks of how things have been in the past, and they have asked him personally for things. They have not asked God in his name. They have asked, feed us, as he fed the 5,000. Save us from this storm as they are in the boat. Take my hand, Peter calls, or Jesus says to Peter, pull me up, Lord, save me. He's healed people. He's done these things just by them asking him. But after the resurrection, after his ascension, we will ask the Father directly, out of love of the Father, and the Father will answer. The Father loves us because, Jesus says, we loved him and believed that he came from the Father. Let's stop a minute. That's where many of us uh, learn that, hey, you don't have to leave, Nick. It's okay. They're my grandsons, all three of those walking out. I just told you the song to sing. <laughs> you can sing a solo next week, yeah. Right? See, I mean, this is the verse that so many of us make into a formula. That when you pray, you close the prayer in Jesus' name. 90% of the prayers that I pray probably end in Jesus' name. But in Jesus' name is not some mechanical truck that takes your issues to God. In Jesus' name is basically a way of acknowledging how you're able to get to God because of your love of him. And God says, through Jesus, you love me or you love my son and believe that he came, therefore I love you. 30 years praying in federal situations, I prayed probably more times without in Jesus' name. But I prayed many, many times. In fact, I would have different 
leaders say, I want you to pray at my retirement or my promotion or my change of command because I know you're not afraid to pray in Jesus' name. I had, I remember a, a chaplain that they wouldn't let him pray in public anymore because that became the sword that he would fall on. He had to close every prayer in Jesus' name. And who was I to argue with him to say, I don't agree that you can't be speaking to God through your love of the Son to the Father, but that's what he chose to do. And I bring this all to you to say, don't look down your nose at someone who prays and closes out, Father, you hear our prayers, amen, or however you close your prayer. It is merely a connection with the love of Jesus. And God loves us because we love him and believe in him. And that's a reminder as you make that prayer. Praying in Jesus' name reminds me how much he loved me. And as I said, it is a joy to know that. And that's our first point, joy to know. Reread verses 29 and 30 with me, or at least follow along. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you are speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. They finally get it. They know that Jesus came from God. They know that God loves them because they love Jesus. They know that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And what joy it is to know the truth. Kind of like knowing the answers on a test. Now, I know I've got collegiate people in here. I've got high school people in here. Probably have, I don't know if I have any elementary school people other than mentally for me. But you probably have had the opportunity to set at a test and you studied. You prepared. And when that test is laid down in front of you and it's fill in the blank, you know the answer. Or you see it's multiple choice. Man, I know these answers. And it's a joy to have that. I know some of you, I never felt that, Cliff. <laughs> some of you are looking sideways at me. What are you talking about? Well, I'm not saying it happened to me every time because in some ways I was more like this particular video clip. Read the question. John Hancock. It's Herbie Hancock. <laughs> Sadly, there are many people in the world just like that. They have joy because they think they know the truth, but their truth has been distorted by this world. They trust in their own thinking. In that movie, if you know Tommy Boy very well, Chris Farley's character has been able to finally graduate after however many semesters. And he's excited he got a D in something, you know. I'm, hey, graduate. But Christ is telling us, I am the truth. I am the answer in the midst of trouble. I am the Savior. I am the way. Jesus has told us, ask and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. He'll go on in the next chapter to talk about joy again. As I said, this is a theme in this uh, Gospel of John. And joy is a theme in the Christian life, or at least it should be. But many things 
come in to our lives and steal our joy away. It takes us away from our source of joy. Christ is to be your source of joy. But when you follow the Herbie Hancocks in your life, you'll soon find out that your joy may be temporary. Mark Twain once said that comparison is the death of joy. Comparison is the death of, death of joy. Just when you think everything is going well, then you look at somebody else and go, man, they're much thinner, they're much fitter, their hair is no longer gray. They have more hair than I do. They make more money than I do. They drive a better car. They have a nicer house. Next thing you know, your joy has been robbed because you have compared yourself. Think about Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, I guess maybe even LinkedIn. I think I did LinkedIn one time just to find somebody else's email address, and now I keep getting these emails that say, you have been you know, looked at, connect with so-and-so. I'm like, I'm not connecting with anybody. Those of you know I do Facebook, it's only for marketplace. In fact, I don't have a single friend on Facebook, and I like it that way. <laughs> but you do know that people post pictures of their lives, often, I think, Photoshopped, looking better than what they really look like, in places eating where they really didn't eat there, but they took a nice picture at the outside of the building or a meal or something else, acting like they're doing some really wonderful things, but it's ridiculous. They push on social media, and I'm a YouTube fan too. How many views, or in, I think it's Facebook, how many likes, or how many people are following you? Jesus interrupts us in the midst of all that and says, are you following me? Am I who you like, who you love? Have you tagged me and followed me? It's a joy to know that you're following him. And second, peace to overcome. Reverend Ross Mars is a Methodist pastor in Indiana, and I read an article he wrote in Leadership Quarterly he wrote, and I quote, take away my capacity for pain and you rob me of the possibility for joy. Take away my ability to fail and I would not know the meaning of success. Let me be immune to rejection and heartbreak and I could not know the glory of living. The old saying is that the problem with trouble is trouble usually begins out as a whole lot of fun. Jesus tells us in this world, you will have trouble. Not that I will take your trouble away. Never said, if you follow me, everything's going to be perfect. You'll get every promotion. Every good-looking girl or good-looking guy will want to call you up. You'll have all the followers you want. If you do this and follow me, he says, no. In the midst of this world, you will have pain. You will have suffering. You will have trouble. But he says, take heart. No fear, for I have overcome the world. Peace to overcome. I can look across this congregation now that I've been here nearly eight years. And without calling any names, I'll look down on my notes. That way you don't think I'm looking at you. I can tell you each one of these things has either hit your life, my life, or somebody else's life. Here's some of the trouble I know that has been experienced right here. Job loss. Financial uncertainty. Eviction. I'm trying to look down because you think I'm looking at somebody. <laughs> Infidelity. Divorce. Cancer. Alzheimer's. 
death from COVID, death of a child, death of a spouse, death of a sibling, of a parent or grandchild or grandparent. We have seen the trouble in this world, not from the first row, but firsthand. We have been gripped by trouble. Our hearts have been touched by trouble. But we have tasted the peace that Jesus serves. Many of you asked me about the shirt today. Some said, good thinking. It's because of the fires in Maui. I got a Hawaiian shirt on. If you ask Lou, Lou's got one on every Sunday. He, just, he, he is like the keeper of the Hawaiian shirts. Uh, I wore it because Jimmy Buffett died on Friday. And I am not necessarily, or maybe I am a parrot, parrot head. I just never went to one of his concerts. I've bought his music uh, from cassettes to CDs to downloads to just Pandora or YouTube or however you listen to music these days. I've, he's a little bit older than me, but uh, he's influenced me in so many ways. I loved his music. I've even been to Margaritaville in Biloxi, been to Margaritaville on Waikiki Beach. I've been to Margaritaville a couple other places. I even have one Margaritaville t-shirt. Um, I texted out to several friends. He's finally enjoying his first cheeseburger in the real paradise. For some reason, I will have his voice in my ear with his songs, and I also take that as a, a reason to learn more scripture than I do contemporary songs. But one song I sent out to some of my kids is a song that um, I found the original version of it released in 1973, and I'm not playing any of it. And then I saw him playing it again in 2023, 50 years later. Isn't that crazy? From when he was 26 to when he was 76. Um, and it's, he went to Paris. If you know that song or haven't heard that song, look it up. Young people who don't know who Jimmy Buffett is, Google it, you know. Jimmy Buffett, he went to Paris. It is a story of a man who has many tragedies in his life. And then one of the concluding lines that he says to Jimmy, as, as if he is talking to Jimmy personally, he said, some of it's been magic, some of it tragic, but I had a good life all the way. That is the piece, a small portion of it, of what Christ does for the believer. Christ brings peace to the life of the believer in the midst of the troubles of this world. And I am certain that worship brings some of that joy, some of that peace to each one of us. And because of that, I thank you for being here today. By seeing your faces, by hearing your praises in song or in prayer, I too am encouraged. We encourage one another's as brothers and sisters in the faith. Jesus says, I have overcome. One Greek word for the day, it is the word nikeo. Nike tennis shoes, shorten it to Nike. It is the same Greek word for the Greek goddess of victory. That's what nikeo means, victory. I have overcome. Jesus says, I have victory over the world Believe in me, and you will too. Stand as we pray.
Our Father in heaven, I know that we have just briefly looked at such a powerful passage, and I pray that you would speak to these hearts today. And if there's one who's struggling with trouble, struggling with despair, struggling, feel like they're drowning in this world in which there's so many changes, so many things that try to compete and get us to compare ourselves to others, let us only look to you, for that is the source of our complete joy. For those who have accepted Christ as their Savior, I pray that this would be a time when they just lift up each one in this room. Perhaps there's somebody who's never, though, asked Jesus into their life, and we invite them as we get ready to sing a song of invitation to come forward and say, I want to believe in Jesus. I want the, I want the joy that only Jesus can bring. Father, I pray that whatever decision, maybe there's someone who wants to come and kneel at these steps or stand here and pray. There are prayer warriors that will come by their side. Let your Holy Spirit flow freely and let us feel the joy that only comes from knowing you. For I pray this with love and through the love of Jesus to you.